This week on Deep Space Pride, a gay Star Trek podcast, this is episode 100, and at least I'm excited. I don't know about Johnson, but we're here to celebrate 100 episodes and talk about the last three episodes of Lower Decks Season 3, which I don't know about you, but I'm excited about. Thanks for joining us. Johnson, happy 100th episode. Hey, Mike, happy 100th episode slash birthday. It is. It's a big deal. Anniversary. I guess an anniversary or whatever. I don't know what to call it. Well, it's a big deal. Uh, 100. We're 100 episodes old. Yes. Though, Cheers to that. Again, if you count the episodes that we never really published, it's like, I don't know, maybe 105 or something. Maybe. But yes, 100th published episode. Very exciting. Yes. I am very excited. I am here for this. <laughs> you sound like you are. I How's your present. week going? How how are things going in Johnson's world? Um, the week is going okay. It's been a very hectic and busy couple weeks at work. Um, it's good. It's you know, it's it's fine. I am going to conferences i'm traveling again in a few weeks it's a lot but yeah it's probably going to be pretty busy through the end of the year it's going to be pretty non-stop but you know here we are that's really how it goes though towards uh the end of q4 so it's okay though i've been yeah. looking forward to recording this 100 episode nominally but yes <laughs> nominally nominally yeah. yes yeah how about you mike how's your week been uh, I am getting our finally, well, I'm over strep, but I'm, yes. So I had uh, strep yeah. throat last week, so it's a good thing that it was an off week because I was in no condition. Oh, yeah, and I was sick too, but not with strep. I, w- I just had a cold. It was just annoying. Oh. Okay. Last in a few days. Yes. I'm recovered uh, now. Well, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Sasha, welcome. Okay. <laughs> But yes, no, I've recovered. Um, I was very congested. It was annoying, but I am back to normal for the most part. Yes, back to baseline. Baseline, exactly. Survival mode. Yes. Well, that is good. And I am back to mostly normal as well. Although hopefully I still have some congestion. So hopefully that won't affect our episode tonight but we'll see me so. fine you don't sound abnormal yeah and your internet's working which is a plus so far uh, my what your internet is working yes yes let's not let's not, let's, let's not jinx things here let's not jinx is, it oh yes. my word yes we want we want the 100th episode to record smoothly without any freezing or other sure impactful events that require my additional editing and uh off screen yelling at you for for uh mentioning that i am freezing so there 
All the things I mean, that sometimes are... it's really bad. I don't know if you know how bad it is. Sorry. It's kind of terrible. Sure. So, yes. but anyway, we're here to celebrate 100 episodes, though. So, yes, positivity only. Yes, please. Yes, please, please, please. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, so we've been doing this for over two years. Over two years. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, everyone asked me about this podcast and they're like, how to come about, how would you decide to start a podcast? And, you know, the easy explanation is that it was a pandemic podcast. It's like one of the many, many podcasts that launched during the course of the pandemic because people had time on their hands. They realized that they had things to talk about and share with people. And they decided to work on a podcast, order a cheap microphone from Amazon, get some free software, and get going. And yes, it was the year that launched a zillion podcasts and we're one of those yeah but i feel like we survived all of that like i feel like those ran out pretty quickly things you know people there's not suddenly a slew of people publishing their milestone episodes like we are so in that case i feel much more accomplished because we we we've lasted this long we've made it to 100 um yes so I, I think a that's a pretty big deal. But yeah, um, yeah, this is a pandemic podcast, but it's also an idea that I had pre-pandemic. Sure. Uh, so there was that. Uh, and we get to know each other right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And started talking Star Trek through text messages. And right. then yeah. uh, when... Picard started. Picard season one. Yeah. Yeah. Picard season one started and I brought up doing a podcast and we started recording uh, right in right as the pandemic started for us anyway in mid-March. Right. I think we recorded what? We started recording in the middle of Picard season one. Was that right? Actually, it wasn't uh, the very start, I think. No, no, no. It was towards the end because March was when it sort of was ending. So we were talking in our first couple of trial episodes, we were talking about the, the end, you're right. uh, we were talking about the ninth and 10th episodes, I think of, mm-hmm. of Picard. So. Yes. And a little known fact, cause we haven't really talked about it extensively is that originally this podcast was the name of the podcast was the Picardians. Cause it was very, <laughs> yes. supposed, it was supposed to be very Picard centric, but I think I was the one that kind of pushed back on it. Cause I was like, Oh, it's like kind of, I didn't love the name, but I was like, it's not just about Star Trek Picard. You know, it shouldn't just be about Star Trek Picard. It should be broader in scope and nature. So sure. that's yes. when we tapped our friend Nancy, who at the time was working at a naming agency. Basically, she worked for an agency that not similar to copywriters, but they would come up with names for brands, uh, names for companies and things like that. We solicited her help to brainstorm some names for us and we give credit to nancy and shout out to nancy for helping to come up with deep space pride this is definitely one of the ones that we were both immediately attracted to in yes. the uh it was like i think there were like what like maybe like six eight options or something like that yeah um, we had a few but, choices yeah. to choose from and uh yeah, yeah we landed on deep space pride uh and 
Yeah, but before even that, so we 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 did our we did a bunch of trial episodes, right? And so we, mm-hmm. um, we finished up Picard uh, in like the first one or two episodes, and then we started rewatching some of uh, season one and two and three of of Next Generation. So, I mean, part of the Picardians mm-hmm. thing was that we were we both grew up watching Next Generation, right? So that was sort of our, like, our big entry. I mean, I did watch some original series before Next Generation came out, but I went hardcore when Next Generation came out. So, right, right. So, yeah, so that was also part of that. Um, And, yeah, so we, we recorded a bunch of episodes and then... As we were thinking about launching, uh, I reached out to Bill and Dan. And right. Who I had been following uh, as a listener through Discovering Trek and mm-hmm. um, and uh, Trek Geeks. And I wanted to know how they launched a podcast and mm-hmm. you know get some advice from them. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I reached out to them and we had a meeting and in, well, we sent them, uh, one of our episodes to listen to. I don't even remember which one. I don't, yeah, I don't remember which episode that was, but, um, but apparently, yes, apparently liked it. Yeah. They liked it. And, uh, we met and they invited us to be on the network, which, right. And you were like, oh, my God. And I was like, who? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> yes, you weren't, you weren't listening to them at the time. I was. Um, I had been. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was kind of blown away by, I, you know, I'm still in shock uh, as to that conversation. So, yeah, huge shout out to Dan Davidson and Bill Smith, the our executive producers who invited, who listened to our demo you know, not even our a demo, demo tape. Our demo basically. tape and this signed is us. What it was? Yeah, and signed us to be part of um, part of the network. So here we are. Uh, we launched officially on the network mm-hmm. in September of 2020, and here we are in October, wrapping up the end of October 2022, and yeah, 100 episodes and. Mm-hmm. We've been to three conventions, two Star Trek conventions and Comic-Con. Yes. I was like, three? Yes. We've been to two Star Trek and Comic-Con, correct. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and met a bunch of people. And, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been quite a couple of years. Yeah. And it's been very consistent. We've recorded almost every week. I mean, recently we switched, we switched to a bi-weekly schedule, but if it's been two years and we've reached episode 100, then, you know, means that we didn't skip too many weeks. We did not. Think about it. So. Yeah. No, we did not. Uh, yeah. So, but things have gotten busier now. Uh, life has picked up again, sort of post-pandemic. Sure. And, uh, so yeah, we need a little more more time to you. Our lives are a lot busier. We're not stuck How at home. How are you feeling? 
how are you feeling the free time that you have gained back from <laughs> not having to record every week? I don't know that I've gained. I mean, yeah, I don't know if I've filled the time appropriately yet, but it's nice to have the off week to, yeah, just to, I mean, I mean, to do nothing. That's fine. Yeah. Too. I mean, I've watched a, a little bit more TV. Um, as things have gotten more stressful, I needed like the outlet to watch TV sure. a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I would say just a little more downtime. I think going, 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 going for so long, it was mm-hmm. draining a little bit. And I knew that, you know, energy was running, you know, not low, but energy was just at a premium these days. And mm-hmm. Life is just different and it's stressful in different ways. And, you know, things that weren't happening during the pandemic are happening. And, you know, so, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I feel like we've gone back to, I mean, the world is definitely different, but I feel like we've gone back to uh, a more like things are busier, people are out, you know, all kinds of things. So I feel sure. like. Um, yeah, but, you know, we still have lots of Star Trek, which is pretty exciting. Um, as yeah, we kind of talked about a lot last of Star week. Trek, maybe not 52 weeks of Star Trek, but it's still kind of close. Still a lot. Yeah. You know, and, uh, we have an overlap this week of Prodigy and Lower Decks, which that's right. You know, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Is one thing. I mean, we're recording this, you know, a night early, but by the time everyone listens to this, you'll have seen the finale of Lower Deck season three and the premiere mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. part two, or is it part three of Prodigy's first season? I don't know how to really qualify. Oh, I, I would call it 1B, like 1B, season 1B. Okay. Yeah. Because it is so, that, because we finished the 10 episode arc. With a diviner and yes. such, more or less. Yes. Like more or know, less. That yes. So that was, um, that was one A, and now one okay. B is the the chase with Admiral Janeway and such. Right. Right. Yeah, and uh, we finished up season three of Lower Decks, which we'll yeah. we're going to talk about tonight. Right. Uh, three episodes. We're going to talk about three episodes. We are. Yes. Um, Three amazing episodes from my perspective, Mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, so it's, yeah, it's hard to, hard to believe that we are at episode 100. What I'm asking you an emotional question like this, Mm -hmm. what has been a highlight of this podcast for you? So I was thinking about this. I think the highlight for me is when you and I recorded in person for the first time, if you recall. So that was, I, we only recorded in person together like a, a small handful of times. I think it's really just been two, three times. But the first time we recorded in person together, um, we had gone out to dinner. It was it was a belated birthday dinner for you, if you remember. We were both a little buzzed. We went back to your place and we had a bottle of Chateau Picard to also <laughs> try. 
Yes. So it was a live tasting. It was a live <laughs> tasting and an episode review. I did not remember what the episode was. And it was disgusting. I hated Chateau Picard. I thought it was gross. I mean, I, I'm very particular about wine. I'm not like a big wine connoisseur. So usually it needs to be like a good wine for me to really enjoy it. And this was just like, it, it was just like, it fell flat for me so much. However, the company was very enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> Lols, lols, lols. But uh, oh, no, that nice. was memorable. It was like you know the first time we had been recording for a while. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we had been we had been seeing each other, but it was like the first time that we recorded together in person. It took you twenty to thirty minutes to figure out the technical stuff, and even afterwards, you were freaking out that you might have lost like your track or something like that. If you remember, like it was like all this back and forth. Wow. But yeah, no, that was uh, that was very memorable. It was a highlight for me. Okay. We right. do that. We made it special with, you know, some Star Trek wine, even though it was disgusting. And <laughs> it was also nice that we were both kind of buzzed. So, yeah, that was that was uh, yeah, that was a highlight for me. That was fun. Yeah, that was a good time. Um, yeah. Are we also talking about low lights? <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're like ready to give a low light. Sure. Go ahead. What's a low light for you? Part season one was a low light. Or Discovery season four, like the the whole thing is terrible. Mm. But no, I mean, I'm just kidding. It, am I kidding though? Not really. Um, yeah, I would say that. Uh, I would say I, I don't really have. I don't truly have any low lights. It's like more like some of the episodes and some of the seasons were not that great. But here we are. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, sure, that's understandable to have. You know. That's funny. The the episodes that we talk about are the low lights for you. That's you know, you know. That's. Uh, that's I mean, good. basically, Discovery season four. Other than like maybe like two episodes, it was basically me complaining about every other episode. It was like harrowing. It was like, the whole season. I was like complaining. Yes. So. Well. Yeah. I mean, we we had a lot of issues with season four, uh, but uh, one of my highlights. And you keep hating on Tarka, like you. Like oh, he was triggering for you. I didn't. Tarka didn't bother me that much. It was it was the whole season that was like bad for me. But Tarka was like a trigger for you. So I mean, we both Tarka, had issues. Yeah, Tarka was a big part of the season, though. Uh, yeah, you know. And now I forgot what my highlight was. Uh, oh, I know what my this highlight. Is why I take notes before we start recording. Uh, yes, you you instead of doing it before we jump on the Zoom, you do it while we're sitting here talking and like Correct. figuring things out. Yes, that's that's the level of preparation that we have sometimes. But anyway, one of my highlights was I think talking about all of Will Wheaton, Doug Jones. I'm just guessing. Well, yes, those are definitely highlights for me, for sure. Talking to Doug Jones on the roof of my hotel in Hawaii and being able to just do that. And then on top of that, going to Mission Chicago and meeting Doug Jones and him knowing exactly who I was and all of that. um, That was a big, big deal. Talking to Will Wheaton was huge. Um, But from an episode standpoint, like... Uh, it was funny because I think the most fun we had recently doing the uh-huh. recording uh-huh. was talking about Strange New Worlds, which we both like in loved. general. 
Yeah, yes. because you know yes. sometimes sometimes you know so one of the low lights is that sometimes the when we're arguing about an episode that yeah, so get very contentious. Yes, there. You know, it's very de-energizing at times. And um, oh, really? Oh, it's not de-energizing for me. I get like very animated. No, of course you don't get de-energized. <laughs> um, Whatever. So, we yeah. both love our turns on top of the soapbox. Sure, sure. But I, I thought it was really cool to be able to t- just uh, love on Star Trek for a whole season um right. with strange new worlds so um there was never anything we really didn't like or we never argued so it was like 10 weeks 10 episodes where we didn't argue <laughs> um, yes it was enjoyable it's nice so that, that, that actually would be the biggest highlight of 100 episodes would be for me it would be not arguing with over with a episode um right. so since we argued from the very beginning of this podcast about Picard and then we complained about discovery and then you know we like lower decks though oh yeah no yes Um, and we also like prodigy we do we do like prodigy a lot and and lower decks is also um although lower decks has been mixed for me this season and apparently um, these last three episodes yeah, no, absolutely. Except for these last, you know, and deep, the Deep Space Nine episode for sure. Um, and then these and reflections. And reflections, yes. So you like to basically have a season, which is not that I like. No, it's not that bad. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, I enjoy, you know, other than the episode, which we will not name, um, the other episodes outside of those sure. um, were fine. Um, but I am, yeah, no. So, so yes, going back to my highlight was having 10 weeks of not arguing with you about an episode, um, having strong disagreements and, and fighting, which is usually what happens with Picard and or discovery. Oh my God. And, um, occasionally other things, especially, you know, my thoughts on peanut butter <laughs> bullshit, um, and other things so yeah um, well the thing is like i think you know we're it's funny we're different people obviously no oh yeah no absolutely um yeah. and you're definitely much more of a half glass full person and i'm definitely much more of a half glass empty person which <laughs> our listeners and our friends all know so you know i think even when you are when we're talking about like in my mind, like not a good episode, you try to highlight like what is good about it and you try to see the positive and I'm like, no, this is fucking terrible. Like even the good <laughs> stuff was fucking generic. So, you know. It's, but what's it's, even it's, more funny is that when I, I get on a soapbox about things I don't like, you're always quick to defend whatever I am arguing against. It's true. It's funny. Yeah, because I actually like Peanut Hamper and I didn't, like Target was kind of annoying but i didn't like hate him as much as you did no no i mean those are two characters that i cannot stand and um yeah uh, i'm glad one of the them is, is i think um you know you're also more emotional than i am like i try to see things like logically i'm like this is a i like this is just bad it's a like bad writing it's a bad narrative <laughs> setup 
Like these are bad ways to develop the characters. I think that those are all legitimate things to say about season four of Star Trek Discovery. Like, I think you even have to agree. We talked about this, you know? And I'm like, there's so much potential for the show. I think the reason why I get mad, quote unquote mad, is because I feel there's so much potential for the show. And they just miss basic things like develop your characters better, you know, like just write better. But what's funny is that when what's funny, though, is that you will feel that way. Yet when I feel very negatively or bad, like I am mad or hate something, you go to bat for those things. Like, oh, yeah. So I think the reason why is like I'm trying to see it like me. Because I try to judge things very logically, which is not saying that's better or worse than anything else. I'm just like, I'm like, I'm like, I feel this is objectively bad. Like, this is objectively poor writing. Like, yeah. but I feel like you get caught up in the emotions a little, little bit. Like, for example, Tarka, right? I feel like he was like very triggering for you as a character because mm-hmm. of his like bullying nature. I'm like, yeah, like, you know, I think he's not that great, but like, you know, like, you know, from a, just a pure character perspective, like, you know, it's, I don't think he's a bad actor. And I think that they're trying, but, you know, they're trying as hard with him as with any other character on the show, which is like half-baked. You know what I mean? It's like, he's not like a very well-written character, um, but it's he's very, tro- he's very tropey, like any other character on the show. So it's like, you know, I was like trying to like, I think just trying to look at it logically versus like being caught up in the motion of like necessarily just being triggered by the character. Hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, you push back on me too. So we have our we have our uh, moments. Yes, we do. We do indeed. Um, Yeah. So I mean, and definitely throw in interviewing Will Wheaton into that those highlights. That was huge because I worked a really long time to make that happen. Did you did you uh, went after his agent or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I did a lot of lot of uh, legwork for that, and um, yeah, it was uh, it was great, and 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 I'm a big fan of his. So that's the other thing. Just like I'm a big fan of Doug Jones, and um, but that sort of came together differently, uh, obviously. Um, so yeah, so um, yeah, I think that those are you know. I also want to say that like I remember significantly what. The other other episodes that I remember, and one other episode that I remember significantly is our uh-huh. 25th episode, where I don't remember that just, at all. Yeah, no, I I do because you're like, yeah, what's the big deal? It's just 25. Like, you know, call me when, like, basically call me when it's 50. And here uh-huh. we are, here we are at 100, and you are you bring that same sort of attitude, like. 75 episodes later you're like ah 100 you know what's the big deal you know it's just a number yeah. like you Maybe. know all of these things and and I'm thinking you know we have recorded over 100 hours of audio oh, over 100 more, hours more than that yeah probably yes, more like 150 but, but at a minimum we have released about 100 episodes that are on or about an hour long Roughly, some are sh- slightly shorter, some are a little bit longer, but anyway. Significantly longer. We've had like an hour 40 or hour 50. Yes, we have. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'm uh, super pumped to be hitting 100. Um, and I'm looking forward to many more. 
um, because one of the things that I am, one of the highlights is being able to talk with another Star Trek fan who sure. also happens to be gay and mm-hmm. talk about our favorite series and our, you know, right. and do this on a regular basis. And so that has also been a highlight for me is as, as this, as this sort of started through text messages uh, Mm -hmm. when you would, I mean, this was definitely early days of no, it was before the pandemic, but you would be like, have you watched it yet? You would like wake up on Thursday mornings and watch Picard or whatever. And then you'd be like, you need to watch this. Like, you were so right. on top of watching it the first season and yeah. yes you were you were like did you watch it yet like oh my gosh did you watch like just i remember the early text messages that we had talking about this and yeah um so yeah i mean it's been uh it's so yeah we're almost it's been a I mean, journey a, it has it's been a long road no do not go there <laughs> Yeah, I um no, I agree. I wish um there were more honestly, I wish there were more people in my life that were big Star Trek fans. But honestly, it's like, yeah, kind of few and far between. It is, I think, in the grand scheme of things, somewhat niche. So it is nice to have another friend slash member of the LGBTQ community who appreciates it and is able to see it through that lens so thank you for being you mike you're awesome uh well thank you thank you for doing this with me and agreeing long ago when i had to convince you to do this podcast and you know the other thing that was a highlight is that we've we've had you know callie on as a as a guest and we've had sam on as a guest as well so those were uh, fun times to um, bring other voices into the conversation. I was like, who's Sam? I was like, oh, Dr. Sam. Dr. Sam. I was, Dr. Like, Sam. Who's Sam? I was like, I remember. I was like, Sam. Dr. Sam. Dr. Sam. Need, yes. need the full name. Yeah. Sorry, Dr. Sam. Yes. So yeah. it's been fun to have those. And I think it'd be fun to do some more of those. Um, having a different, another voice in here to... Um, We've had Nancy on as a guest. Oh yeah, we've had I Nancy think, wasn't on. Wasn't she yeah. our twenty? Was she our twenty fifth episode? Yeah, maybe yet? she. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she might have did twenty four or twenty five. I can't remember something. But, yeah, I mean, you have other you have other friends that like Gary watches Star Trek, right? Your friend Gary. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I I don't know that anyone is well. You know, I'll, I'll um, I guess that'll be. You know what we of... should do? We should have other members of the Trekkie Network on as guests. <laughs> well that's the easy way out of, they're you know. there for the taking we just haven't tapped into yes. it to be honest yeah. well you know um we are primarily the representatives of the lgbtq community on the network so sure that's true uh, i mean yes. there are a couple of others but um you know so just some other people we should like uh reach out to like Lambda Quadrant or something. I don't know anyone in that group, but I don't either. Sure. Um yeah. but we should, yeah, absolutely. Um bad at networking. I'm so bad at networking, so it's all on you. You say that. It's so funny. I, I am actually more of the introvert when it comes to networking. You have all of these friend groups and social yeah, but obligations. Different. Networking is like not the same as like, I don't know, friends mm. like 
that mm-hmm. I've made through different situations. I don't know. Yes. Well, you're you're the one, but you're the one when we go to these conventions, you like want to hang out with everybody. And I'm like, see you back in the hotel room. <laughs> you know, like in Vegas, yes. I was like, uh, bye, Felicia's. I'm, I need self care time. I'm, I don't want to be here anymore. For sure. Yes. Yes. And you I show understand. up like two hours later drunk. Yeah. I mean, you know, what else is there to do but drinking? I mean, it's true. You know, talk about in um, Vegas in vegas yeah yeah so yeah we went to vegas um because of this podcast we went to chicago because of this podcast um so yeah i mean um yeah a lot of cool things have happened and hopefully more cool things will continue to happen in the future so Yeah. yeah um yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yes. Here's to 100 plus more episodes at least. <laughs> 200 episodes, 200 more. Episodes. <sighs> Once we reach 300, then I'll really be excited. Oh, yeah, yeah sure. Sure you will. I, I that is false. That is Oh my false. god, 300 episodes. Can you think about that? Like that will take at least another Wait, now that we're doing bi-weekly, that will take 8 years. Yeah, if I have anything about that, no, I don't. I, I, I mean, it'll be a miracle if I don't kill you in the next eight years. So yes, I like, think it. I will. can't. Eight years, eight years to do two hundred more episodes of this podcast. Oh my god! Well, so Trek geeks, Dan, Bill, and Dan have been doing this for seven years, and they are approaching three hundred right now. So, um, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So, so they're smart and they take time off, unlike yeah. us idiots who um, have basically. And in fact, we've had days taking some time done. off. What are you talking about? We've had breaks. We've had breaks, but we've always front loaded our recording to cover those breaks. Sure, it's not like there no, was we've less taken work. A couple of weeks off here and there, like we've taken like a le- legit like a couple of weeks off, like just not polish for sure. Right. But on any planned away missions, we have recorded two or three episodes early to release right. them while we were mm-hmm. away. So, yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Um, so, oh there we God. go. Eight more years. You're going to, you'll be approaching. <laughs> hey, could you imagine? I will kill you if you <laughs> say that number out loud again. I will no, that's just crazy to think about. It's crazy to think about. I'm just trying to get through the next year, you know. Just, just trying to get through. Just trying to get through 2023. Yeah. Um, and the end of 2022, please. So yeah. So there we go. Um. Yeah. Well, shall we talk some trek? Like that's what we're here to do, right? Yeah. Unless you have oh, anything we're else, do you like a share? contest or something. We're going to do a contest, a giveaway. Oh, I see. This is part of the organized. Problem. Yes, we never did get organized, but check our social media. We may have something coming up very shortly. Um, or not for to celebrate. No, I mean I have stuff to give away, so I need to give it away. Oh, okay. So, yeah, like things yeah. to get rid of. Yeah, like DVD sets, 
Not, I don't even have a DVD player, so yeah, um, that we've gotten promotional stuff. Oh, I have um, a DVD player. I have a PS4. I have a DVD. Oh, see, but yeah, no. So yeah, we'll we'll definitely have some things to celebrate. Check our social media. We'll get on that um, this week, ish. Yeah. So more or less. More or less. More or less. Yeah. Yeah. So. Are you ready to talk some Star Trek now? Yeah. Or do you have other reminiscence that you want to share about this journey so far? No. I I already got on my Discovery soapbox. I don't need to go back on it. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you do not. I'm good. No, we're good. We're good. Yeah. We're good with the, the soapboxes. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, is there any uh, Star Trek news for us to talk about? Oh gosh. Um I mean, I have not seen anything significant. I mean, there's like um, some stuff, but I don't think any of it like you're saying, I don't think any of it's like, oh my god, like what's happening? Um yeah, no. no, I don't think yeah, there's yeah. any any real news. Um obviously Prodigy is doing their, you know, PR campaign prior to this season 1B as you named it. So that's 1B. happening. It's going to stick 1B. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, most of it's just been lower decks um coverage which, you know, isn't a lot. Kate Mulgrew then, visited the Captain Jamie monument in oh, Indiana. Oh, uh, that's right. I do remember that, seeing that. That was cool. Briefly, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a uh, big news, but that was kind of cool. I can't believe that someone like basically like started like it was like a group me or not group me. Oh my god, like a GoFundMe, like GoFundMe for this bust. And oh, is that yeah? Is that how it came about? I think so. I think yeah. I think it was basically a crowdsourced bust of Captain Janeway, and it happened. All right. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Very cool. With determination, anything is possible. That is the lesson. Oh, there we go. Well, you know, when speaking of Janeway, I have really come to appreciate Kate Mulgrew and new sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. You great. know, I mean, you know, I, I was happy that she was the first female captain, and that was a big deal back in the day, back in mm. the nineties. Obviously, that was huge. Um, but I, I want to say that she's really come into her own with prodigy and, um, yeah, I, I think she's, she's just an incredible champion for kids and mm-hmm. spreading the message of Star Trek to a younger generation and also multi-generations. She, you know, so I think that I love the way that she talks to M. Uh, on who's you know uh, M- Emily from Discovering Trek Prodigy, Emily and Mike, Mike's daughter. Ah, okay. I was so like, I love I love that she uh, how she talks to M during their. I mean, they just did a PR push. Uh, they were interviewing her. I just love how Kate talks to to kids in general, but and talks about kids in general. I think it's just uh, super awesome, and uh, she's sort of like the grandmother, the Nana, the Grammy that you always wanted. So, um, so yeah, 
So huge shout out to to Kate Mulgrew. Um, yeah, and I talk about this. She's a very passionate person, and it was funny when we saw her in Chicago. I think I don't know if it was a question prompt or if she's just talking about it because she was talking about like her passions and acting and writing and whatever, whatever. And uh, she was like, "I can't imagine living without having any passion." And like, and then you looked at me because I. <laughs> I'm not particularly passionate about anything. And like, you know, just like you can, you know, you can choke on by, you know, just like make it make it work. <laughs> like if if she's only she's a very she's a very passionate person, which I really yes. do appreciate. If only she could have inspired you, but she not even Captain Admiral Janeway can inspire no. the inimitable Johnson Lee. So no. yeah, I'm uh Empty and dead and signed. Anyway, um, yes. <laughs> so there's that piece of news. Um, in other news, barely news, but I went to trivia this week. So I went to <laughs> oh, trivia gosh. at Valhalla Bar, which is this uh, bar, beer bar, beer garden like bar on 56th and 9th or something like that. 55th and 9th. Oh, okay. Um, very close to both of us. And they have Monday Night Trivia. And I am the worst at trivia i do not know anything like i i really don't know how anything. is that like, possible there was a geography there was a geography category i i'm sh- i know shit about geography there was a sports one forget it it was over there's a music one i don't know music at all um so it was all bad but then there was a nickelodeon category <laughs> i've never watched nickelodeon I'm like, I'm not going to be helpful here. However, there was one question. I'll read the question because I saved the screenshot. Um, and I was going to save the screenshot because we were playing on our mobile devices. It was like we were, it was a team thing. Um, but one person on each team was on their phone answering the questions. Um, but you can also log in. It's very tech savvy, but you can also log in and be an observer so you can read the questions. Um, the question is... What sci-fi series has an animated Nickelodeon show with the subtitle Prodigy that debuted on the cable channel in 2021? And I was very confused by this question <laughs> because I was like, Prodigy did not debut on Nickelodeon in 2021. So I was like, is it Star Trek? Because I, it must be, it can't be anything else, but is this a trick question? Like, is there something, is there another show with a subtitle of Prodigy that actually made its debut on Nickelodeon in 2021 that I don't know about? And this is, that I'm, getting, I'm being like gaslit or something. Um, and I was like, no, no, it has, I, the question, well, like, the question is structured incorrectly. And it is, like, what other show has Prodigy as, what other sci-fi series, for that matter, has sure. Prodigy subtitle right so everyone on my team was like oh and i was like it's star trek and they're like are you joking because i because I, I i was joking leading up to trivia i was like i will only be helpful if there's a star trek related question or category and i was <laughs> like it's star trek and they're like are you shitting and i'm like no it's star trek and then they still thought i was joking i was like fucking write star trek down as the answer <laughs> so is very, you know, as Eric's very insistent. Um, so yeah, it was Star Trek, but the question was 
wrong. It was, you know, it was not written correctly because it didn't make it didn't make its debut on Nickelodeon until this year. And it technically made its debut on Paramount Plus. So it's very confusing. Um, but common sense persevered and uh, ever the literalist you are, but yes. You went for the well, details of the question instead of the spirit of the question. But again, that's that's on brand. So no. Yeah, because I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, it's trivia. So they don't usually they're not trivia is not like they're not going to throw these like trick questions at you. But still, I was like overthinking it because I was like the question wrong. Like it's not written correctly. So yes, you were definitely overthinking it. But I'm happy that you could contribute one bit of Star Trek knowledge to the group. Yes. And that was it. And then they they kept on going. I was like, I, I don't know any of the answers. But I was so able to, you were uh, useless otherwise, but you did know right. Star Trek Prodigy. So could yeah, a lot of the questions were actually very the Nickelodeon category. They were very niche. And having never watched Nickelodeon, I was like, I have no idea what's happening. So Indeed. here we are. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, look at that. Um, a little glimpse cool. into Johnson Lee's personal life, one of his many social events on his calendar. Trivia wouldn't, again, not be my top choice for social event because, again, I'm not good at trivia, but um, it was nice to see people. And I don't drink beer, so I was also, I didn't even drink anything. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah beer garden, beer. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Cool. Well, uh, let's talk the final three episodes of Lower Decks season three. Wow. Just three amazing episodes. We're going to start off back. To, we're going to talk about all of them, but let's start yes. off talking about the first one, episode eight, which I know you know the title off the top of your head. Yeah. I was waiting for you to say it. Crisis point two, paradoxes. Paradoxes. All I could remember is paradoxes. I could not, for the life of me, remember crisis, crisis point. point two. Uh, yeah. And I've watched this episode three or four times, and I still oh, wow. could not. Okay. Uh, could not remember the front end of that. All I could think of was paradoxes. But uh, uh, Captain Kirk. Oh my no! It's Captain Sulu. Oh my gosh, Captain Sulu. Even better. Uh, sorry about that. The, the mailbox said... I took this place off Kirk's hands. He had to go and time travel. Or who knows what. The man could never relax. What? What is this place? Pretty nice spread, right? There's even a hot tub in the bag. Is this heaven? The afterlife? The nexus? It's Idaho. Would you like to feed the horsey? Uh, sure. I... I didn't program any of this. I was in the holodeck trying to find meaning in the randomness of death, but I just made a fool of myself. Brad, I've lost many friends, some heroically, some tragically. The randomness of death is merely a reflection of the unexpected joys we find in life. So if I spend my life worrying about a meaningless death, I'll never find joy? I literally just said that. Sorry. Thanks, Captain Sulu. I think I can live with that. Happy to help a fellow Starfleet officer looking for answers. Oh, great, awesome. So uh, can I ask you what it was like working with Spock and Uhura? Was it weird using the crystal buttons on the Enterprise? Oh, did you practice daily with the sword? I'm uh, kind of a sword guy myself, so. The horsey's going to bite you now. What? 
Anyway, so let's talk about that episode first, Johnson. What did you think about Brad Boimler's follow-up to the, shall we say, tragic Crisis Point One? Vindicta, whatever. Vindicta's, yes. Yes. Um, Um, Yeah, I really like this episode. I just thought overall, you know, obviously we get a lot of great moments. Um with Brad and you know we get some character growth moments for Tendi as well but I just thought this this episode was just so clever with all the callbacks and the easter eggs and ways that it weaved in all these different elements from all these different Star Trek movies and mm-hmm. it wasn't you know it it was just done so well. It was weaved in in a way that made sense for what they're going for. And it's kind of like, if you don't get the reference, you don't get the reference, but it's still like just done so well. Like it's still enjoyable, even if you don't like get every single reference that they make. And overall, it's definitely just an homage to Star Trek movies, whether how over the top they are, um, when it comes to the Star Trek V reference and <laughs> the fact that they merge, like, you know, meaning of God with, like, finding Voyager in the middle of Voyager, like, things <laughs> yes. like that. Like, it was just, yeah. like, in, in this case, it was, like, the Kitty Hawk, which I had to look up because I did not know what the Kitty Hawk was. And I was like, oh, it's that Bright Brother Flame. I was like, okay, <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yep. Um, but then... It, you also have um you also have George K making a cameo at the very mm-hmm. end. That was unexpected. Yeah. The the computer graphics from Star Trek 2 that were replicated when they were explaining the what is it? The chron the chronogami? Yeah, the chronogami, yes. The chronogami. Oh man. Yeah, and when uh hologram Freeman was like trying to explain it and yeah. Chrono meaning time <laughs> yes. and Tommy and, and Mariner was just like we get it we get it you know it's like break it down but it's just my it's favorite so... my favorite through line of this episode is Mariner's commentary she just oh, yeah. rips on every trope and every little right. thing that uh, is runs through the entire episode so I think that that's yeah. yeah, and then there was that one scene I, I didn't I, I recall seeing it, but I didn't quite understand it, and I only watched it one time. But it was when they were in the holodeck, and Mariner steps out of the holodeck, but she steps over the widescreen bar. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, like, because I mean, like when they're in the holodeck, it's in widescreen. So there's the black bars on top and the bottom, but when they're outside the holodeck, it's like normal it's like normal i did not pick up on that that's so funny she steps over yeah so she's stepping out of the holodeck because it's in widescreen mode and literally she steps over like the that is amazing that the the detail the level of detail that they put into this i noticed that i was like yeah i remember her like lifting her leg and like i was like why did she do that and i didn't it didn't register that yeah from when they go outside the holodeck, it's not in widescreen. That's so uh... just like small, and that's very that's like a callback to um is it what was the episode? 
when they were in the holodeck with Dr. Tana and Shox. I'm sorry. Oh, and they, yes. And they were leaving and they went, you know, went, they went from black and white to color. Yes, like, it's yes, very, yes. it's like that. Yeah. You know, it's going from the holodeck into the real world. And yep. it's like that merging of the two. Yeah. Um, just like small details like that are so clever. And I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, uh, it was just really well done. Like it was like, it's just the way they merge all these tropes and all these like different like story elements together from all these different Star Trek movies. It was just great. Yeah. I mean, I loved, you know, I think that Mariner's commentary fits really nicely to when the three of them, she, Tendi, and Rutherford sit down to watch the opening credits. And so they're like, mm-hmm. you can see the shadow, their, their shadows over mm-hmm. the credits. And mm-hmm. along with her commentary, it gave me mystery science theater 3000 vibes. Oh, oh I've never seen yeah, mystery science theater. Just, um, you know, and just the level of sarcasm seemed extra with Mariner in this episode. It was great. Right. Um, right. Commenting on everything from, you know, yeah, like it's almost like we hired a new younger crew to play these old character, you know, like referencing mm. the JJ universe and, right, right. you know, um, or no, the, wasn't that, wasn't that Tendi? Like she was saying, I mean, that was a repeat joke because they had made it a couple episodes ago where it was like alternate cinematic universe where we, you know, or something like that. That was, Oh, Tendi and she, joke. she, but Tendi goes in this one, she goes, it, that's not possible. She like scientifically, she, she almost, she comes off as the very, the science, from what I remember, like the science officer and says, yeah, yeah but that's not possible, you know, and it's kind of makes the fun of it. Like that's too far fetched or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just just a fun romp uh, with a very serious through line in it, which was the death of Boimler's twin. William Boimler, yes. Um, twin uh, that co- sort of causes this separate story. So you get you get Tendi, he hands off command to Tendi, and Tendi gets, you know, to be the cap- acting captain, which she takes so seriously, and Rutherford's just like along for the ride like wants to goof off it's like vacation for him basically Uh and uh she's taking this so seriously Mm -hmm. and i what i what i love about it is that they take the lead uh even though brad's not there and the other characters are actually higher ranked than than both of them so they're both Mm -hmm. like lieutenant commanders and everyone else is a commander maybe except shacks but um it just it just cracks me up that it's both the lower deckers and the upper deckers together, and the lower deckers are actually running. And I get it that it's a hollow deck, but I just thought it was really cool right. that you know you didn't get a ton of the actual characters of the 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 command crew kind of like taking command, other than like providing that nonsensical information that was needed, like the promo gummy and like things like right. that so um, i don't know if you ever think about this but sometimes in these holodeck episodes particularly given that there are two storylines going on at the same time i'm like how can this much fit into the holodeck like <laughs> physically do you ever think about that like because i did think about that i did think about that a little manual, bit they kind of what was that i did think i did think about that a little bit because when uh mariner leaves to go for her evaluation 
and comes back. She comes back into Brad's part of the right. hollow deck, not right, into right. Tendi's. So it's just, it's very interesting that, you know, how that works out. I thought that was kind of funny, uh, you know, and one of those unexplainable kind of things, but. Yeah, no, it's um, kind of funny. And the TNG technical manual has the whole section on the hollow deck and how the hollow deck the technology in the holodeck is supposed to give you the idea of perspective. And even if two different characters in the hall, two different people in the holodeck rather like how that works. But this was like literally like there are four people in the holodeck experiencing yeah. two complete disparate storylines. Yeah. And I was like, and even throughout, like, you know, because this is the way my brain works sometimes. I'm like, how is this? How does this work? Oh, see, um, I did not even think yeah. about it until Merida comes back in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Cause she leaves, like, she uh, leaves Brad and then, you know, he continues on the adventure. She goes for her eval and right. then comes back. And that's what I thought was kind of interesting was that she joined his, um, his storyline. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I love the, just the depth of character development in this episode, just with, you know, more about Brad, more about even Mariner. I mean, Mariner gets a glowing review from all of the people she's worked with. Like, so it's, it's like, she's gone beyond where she was in the beginning of the season where she was handed off right. to ransom and being very difficult and challenging. And now she's like getting rave reviews from the command staff. And, you know, so I, I love that. I love that we get a call back to William Boimler and how that impacts Brad. And I love seeing, I love seeing the like lazy laid back Rutherford versus the very intense, like intense. wants very to intense. be yeah. captain now Tendy. So I thought this was just a great episode seeing all of our favorite characters growing and being developed. Um, in a really cool storyline that had so many callbacks. There are actually too many to mention. You know, obviously Star Trek II is a huge influence on this, um, on this, but every movie was up for grabs in this practically. Yeah. Um, so searching for answers, uh, which I thought was great, like the Star Trek V references for, mm -hmm. for Brad and like, visiting a planet with a god i just thought right. it was just amazing i, I just I, I just realized that kitty ha is basically kitty hawk but missing letters oh my god oh my gosh wow yes no i just once, realized that yeah once they erase that you're like uh you know it's just hilarious uh just little oh things god. like that um so yeah just a fun fun episode like this is and as we'll get into in the next two episodes, this is just like lower decks at its best. Like yeah. aside from reflections, which I felt like really developed Rutherford's character, this like hit on all of the characters. And if you look at the beginning of the season to this point in the season, you see the development, you see, you see the mm -hmm. growth and, you know, incrementally you kind of don't see it as much, but, um, and in fact, I sort of, that's sort of one of my issues with the early part of the season was that we're kind of going backwards into like Mariner's bad behavior, right, right. Mm -hmm. things like that. And um, it just felt very, 
you know, repetitive. And then we, you know, right. the later part of this season, six, eight, nine, and 10, all take our characters in a ton of really cool and interesting directions and really uh, bring to life why, what I loved about season one of Lower Decks and um, really for me, the B, you know, eight plus nine and 10 just really redeemed this whole season of feeling right, right. like it was kind of more of the same. And then we get these yeah. amazing episodes to round out the, the end of the, the season. So um, really, you know, hit it out of the park for, for this one. And this one, you know, this is the beginning of, for me, uh, the last three episodes are just amazing. We were just going to talk mm-hmm. about eight and nine today, but I was like, you have to watch 10 because I can't sure. talk about nine without 10. So. Sure. I get it. I get it. Uh, um yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that this episode was particularly strong. Um, and of course, they also leave us with a cliffhanger because William Boimler is alive. Oh, uh, yes. William Boimler is alive. Is alive. Section 31. Recruited by Section 31. Yeah. So we did get left with that. So we'll see more William Boimler at some point. Maybe. I suppose. Right? Maybe. Maybe right? not. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I think I think we'll get more of him. Maybe in uh, Crisis Point Three. Uh, uh, well, no. I, well, my hope is that is that we're not working towards a like Discovery rehash of Discovery Season Two, where we have Control and Section oh. Thirty One. You know, especially with yeah. the collection of AIs that are um, right, accumulating right. at Daystrom. So, anyway, yeah. my hope is that we're that's not going to go that's there. That's a potential problem. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah I feel like that's going to be honestly so, a larger issue. Well, I don't know the. I don't know William's going to tie into that, but you know, yeah, we'll see. Who knows? But All yeah, right. no, really, really like this episode. I thought they did a great job. They. You know, even the even the animation and the music, um, the technical aspects were really, 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 really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say the music yeah. um, in this part, these three episodes, in fact, are, and I'll talk more about it in the, in the next two episodes. But music is definitely um, a huge part of these episodes as well. So, right, right, awesome. Well, let's move on to episode nine, trusted sources. In my time on the Cerritos, I experienced a culture of conflict between the crew. I mean, Ops is clearly the best. We never had to take a spa vacation like engineering. The captain totally lost it, by the way. Those engineers are so hard to deal with. I got turned into a puppet on my very first mission. Uh, The crew never held it against me, though. Oh, you should have heard Quark scream when he was being carried away. Ah! (laughs) I'm sorry, what was the question again? Although there were some who had nothing but praise. Well, there's a family you're born into, right? And then the family you choose. I've got both here on the Cerritos. If you're measuring by heart, this is the strongest ship in the fleet because we've got the best captain at the helm, my mom. But this sole voice of California-class exceptionalism was transferred off the ship just for talking to me. Is Freeman really the best captain or simply a cruel taskmaster? Get to see a very excited and then very stressed out Carol Freeman. Yes. Uh, and how this, how basically shit rolls down the hill uh, right. in this episode. So 
Um, what were your thoughts on trusted sources? Yeah, no, I, I like this episode. I don't think I loved it as much as you did. Um, I thought that it was it was good. Um, I thought that the idea of was a project swing or something. Yeah, project swing by, yes. I thought that was actually I think that's actually, that's actually pretty brilliant considering, yeah. you know, we usually see these plans once and never see them again. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that that was actually, that's very smart. Yeah. Um, and it was nice to kind of go back and see some of these planets um, and to see how obviously it not quite work out the way that Captain Freeman was hoping for. We get some great action with the brain. Mm-hmm. When they visit Brecca and all that, that was a lot. Um, haven't yeah, seen the brain was, in some time. Uh, yeah, it was a um, very stark difference between that and on- Onara, right? Onara. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I, I love the callback, and also how quickly um, number one there. What, what can I think of his name? Um, Ransom. Ransom. Thank you. Ransom uh, knew Onara right off the top of his head and you know he did said, hey what didn't didn't didn't, par- didn't pick that was picard oh oh yeah you know, yes. like 17 yes. years ago i'm like holy crap like really yeah like, i was like i don't like, remember i don't, I don't remember, remember. Um, what episode what tng episode was that from um it's from a season one episode and it actually so funny enough it, it is actually from uh the person who and i merit merrick Buttrick played um, one of the people in this first season Star Trek Next Generation episode. Uh, he played um, David. Was it Symbiosis? Sons. What? Symbi- no, symbiosis. Not, yeah. Was it Symbiosis? Um, but he plays he plays David. Um, yeah, Kirk's son in Star Trek two II and three, mm-hmm. and uh, so there's there's a nice tie in there to the last episode with all the movie references. Um, so, so yeah, oh, so man, there's I that nice know. little tie tie in uh, to that. But uh, yeah, it was kind of funny yeah. how nothing, you know, other than that mural. So you get the mural. Oh my god, the mural is really funny. Yeah, the mural. It's like, great. oh, we were like, you know, just like freaking out for like 10 to 14 years or so. But then we got better. <laughs> yeah. Then we yeah. suddenly found, found our health. So, yeah, um, yeah that was yeah, funny. The mural uh, was hilarious. Yeah. The mural was hilarious. Um, yeah. I thought that it was, um, it was kind of funny how, uh, well, and I think I think this episode in particular highlights how Captain Freeman's a really bad control freak. <laughs> like, right? Um, yeah. And so I actually thought it was funny the expose at the end of the episode, which actually mm-hmm. uh, vindicated Mariner, but right uh, implicated Freeman as being right. the real problem of all of this. So. I love this. Yeah, the I mean, look, yeah. Let's let's be honest. Carol Freeman is like she's not like bad captain, but she's like mediocre. Like she's not like even like when we go back to what was 
what was the season one episode where they were like talk like it was like everyone was everything was timed you remember like every, oh, yeah, everything was on time. a really buffer show. time buffer time was it buffer time was that yeah, name buffer of that time. uh i don't remember I don't um but what looks bad that up, was but... buffer time that was that was what uh they were talking about but buffer time yeah thank goodness for temporal edicts oh i knew it was a very clever episode name temporal edict uh, yeah they of course they have um but yeah um, she's she's not like a great captain like you know she's she's fine like she has her moments yeah she has moments where right. she wins and she does do a good job but other times it's like uh questionable you know i think that that was um yeah. my qualm with this episode because i feel that mariner even to us as an audience was really set up to kind of fail and i feel it was a little bit too much where essentially everyone like did not believe her when she was like yeah i didn't say any of this stuff even like her friends jennifer i thought that was a little too much well, i think it yeah jennifer kind of, Jen- jennifer was uh the the big disappointment for me like she yeah really... that was just a little bit too and i i feel that it was done for the purpose of pushing her out narratively you know so that she would go on this other journey yes. and then yeah. realize in the next episode the finale that you know i actually want to go back to i want to be in starfleet you know yeah. like i feel like it was a little forceful which is what i didn't like about this episode because it just felt like I don't know. It, it felt too, too forced <laughs> to to repeat myself. But I mean, I that think, was that was I my think, that was a big issue issue with this episode. Oh, uh, see, I think it was you know as we'll find out. Um, I think that that's part of the lesson. What I, I think you get the the real reason at the end of this finale. You know, you you when when Carol and Mariner are reunited in mm-hmm. in. Um, in the lounge, you know, the, um, that's when you yeah, find out the real, the, what the mess hall. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, that you get that later. I don't, I think you, you kind of have to like l- understand that even though you just saw in episode eight, that she got a raving reviews from everyone, that there's still this underlying mistrust of, of Mariner. Um, mainly from her mom, you know, I think that like she's getting all these rare reviews, but it's not from her mom or her mom. I just feel like it was, ex- it was extreme that the whole crew basically turned them. Even like, even Rutherford Tendi and Boimler were like, not quite believing her, you know, they didn't like quite support her. And I thought that that was a little much. I, I just thought that that was a little bit, again, trying too hard to make this happen. Yeah, but I also feel like Mariner set that up to some extent as well because it wasn't like, oh, you know, hey, I need to tell this reporter all the good stuff like that happens, like the real story. She thinks, you know, she really played that off as like her determined self that was not going to be stopped. She was going to tell the truth. I feel that's where um, I'm saying, though, when I feel we were also kind of let down that path as an audience too. Like even with like yeah. 
the way that, yeah, the way that they were setting up with what she was saying, the way that she was like sneaking around to like talk to the reporter. Yeah. Like, even we as the audience were led to kind of be like, okay, Mariner wants to tell the reporter the dirt on, you know, the Cerritos, right? Like, I, I feel that they were really trying hard to like make that happen. And at the end of the day, like, that's not, you know, oh, yeah, subverting assertions, you know, like, I don't know. It, it just yeah. didn't quite um, do it for me. But I don't think, it, you know, it didn't ruin the episode for me. I just didn't think it was, like, between the three episodes, it was, like, a bit weaker. Um, I still enjoyed it overall, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I, I felt like everything flowed in a way that made sense to me. Even though you, you feel it was sort of forced, I felt like looking at the behavior of everyone, you know, specifically Mariner, you kind of thought, I mean, even the audience was led to believe that, you know, she did say all these things and that sure but that's what i'm saying yeah. like yeah you know, that's i feel that they were trying really hard to fit this narrative for her to leave and make it believable that she would resign um and for that arc to complete right that for her to want to come back in the finale um so to me it felt a little shoehorned but it you know it, it wasn't completely yeah i understand what you're saying it's not completely out of left field given mariner's history yeah and i and i think also that just the importance of what was happening here like you know this is her mom's pet project and she was already stressed out about it being a success and then throw in her mom's control freak nature and you know mariner's normal relationship with her mom and i think boom you've got like the recipe for all of these things to happen and and all of it is believable i didn't feel any of it was forced or false i didn't feel like we were led to believe one thing and you know misled in any way um but uh i really enjoyed it and i thought that um you know when we get the tmz style report at the end the fnn reporters are all very expose yeah that seems to be their mo yeah so it just it was kind of um yeah it was funny to see how that all came out and to see that it was everyone else who like basically crapped the bed and um right mariner was the one that was as the reporter says the lone voice of positivity or whatever Right. Um, so, so yeah, um, I, I thought it was a really clever episode. I, I liked the way that it, you know, none of these episodes actually felt like 25 minute episodes. You know, they all felt long. Oh, yeah. They always fit a lot in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Considering it's like, yeah, 23, 24 minutes. It's crazy. Yeah. So it just, it was just really, uh, I enjoyed it. I didn't, I felt like this really paid off. And what I loved at the end was that it paid off. So we, we met um, Petra Aberdeen earlier in the season when Bold Boimler had his little um, explosion and uh, at the Starfleet mm-hmm. Fair or the career fair. And, um, and so I thought it was a really cool way to for her mom to find out that she resigned after going to Starbase 80 and that to come back to see that that had already happened. I mean, we kind of that was foreshadowed earlier in the season for sure. Mm-hmm. So it all seemed to kind of play out. Um, I thought just the way it was it was uh, 
written and just the way that it was developed and, and played out was really well done. And it wasn't something that was shoehorned in at the end of the season, like a finale. Finale. Right, right. Yeah. So that that I was actually happy about. I was happy about that one, it was a it was it was sort of a cliffhanger, but not really a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it, it was kind of a yeah, it wasn't too much of a cliffhanger. It was but these these two last two yeah. episodes definitely go together. And um so yeah, and so we we also get uh this new class of ship, the Texas class that right. comes and saves the Cerritos and yeah. um all the things that kind of happen after <laughs> after that. Right. The yeah, the Lido. Um yeah, I it's it's kind of like when it when is handing controls over to an AI ever a good idea in Star Trek? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's always it's always very problematic. Um, and though the um, the Lido and the sister ships, uh, the two sister ships, did give me very much like Prometheus vibes. If you remember the Voyager Prometheus ship that would go into attack vector mode. Do you remember? Oh, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that was also automated, but, you know, it, it gave me that because it turned into three ships and then it would, like, be able mm -hmm. to, like, go into, like, this tactical mode or whatever. It kind of did remind me of that. Even, like, the shapes very, like, streamlined and flat uh, reminded me of the Prometheus when it went to multi-vector attack oh, mode. Oh, interesting. I did not get that um, vibe, but, um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I was like, okay, they're like AI controlled something or other. I'm sure this is going to go to great places for all of yeah. us. Well, so, um, and that sort of leads into the next episode, right? So, right. um, the finale, a, um, a, Oh, what is the, it called? The stars at night. The stars at night. Thank you. I was I was thinking of a flag full of stars, but it's the stars at night. Oh yes. my god! <laughs> um, which is actually a novel that uh, a flag full of stars is actually a Star Trek novel. So, oh, it is. Yes. I was like, what are we talking about? Like MAGA? Yeah. Like no, 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 no. Um, which is okay. probably why I was thinking thinking of that because I actually that's one of the the um, pocket books that I picked up in my travels this summer. Okay. was that um but anyway so that leads us to uh the finale which continues the story of mm -hmm. um of the texas class of um the future of the california class that bought us some time but they're closing the gap. We're gonna have to make our own luck. Give me options. I say we eject the warp core. We could drop out of warp and surprise it. AI doesn't get surprised. Can we rendezvous with the Titan? No, they're across the system. Wait, guys, Shaq said... Let's modify the deflector dish and use it as a giant weapon. Is there something I can say to trap those AI in a logic spiral? No, I safeguarded against paradoxes. <sighs> People, we're missing something. Shut up and listen to Shaq's. Mr. Boimler. Please, Lieutenant, what did you say? I... Kinda said we should eject the warp core. Oh, that's what he always suggests. And it's brilliant. Uh, it is? We can use the warp core as a mine. And drop it right in their path. But wouldn't that rip us out of warp? Better than getting ripped apart by photon torpedoes. Mr. Shax, make it so. Really, Captain? Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh yes. Oh, you've got this, sir! Thank you so much. You're all 
too kind. Oh, Arnav, on the night of his joining. Thank you! Thank you so much! I've dreamed of doing this for so long. Eject. Yeah, I was a little confused by this and the setup. Like, so I, I guess I don't understand the nature of second contact because this episode made it really seem like the nature of second contact is really like upkeep and maintenance. But in my mind, second contact was there's a diplomatic element to second contact as well. It's not just like, oh, let's fix your replicators and, you know, like, ener like energy supply. That, but this episode may seem like that is literally the prime, the, the prime objective of second contact. So I was a little bit confused by that because I was like, how is an AI ship supposed to like reinforce diplomatic relations like, you know, in second contact. So that threw me off a little bit. Um, I do have larger questions about that. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you registered that at all, but that was something that started. Uh, that's funny. I, I didn't think of, think about that piece of it. Um, Cause yeah, when they were going to race, I was like, uh, what exactly are they doing? Like, you know, and you know, like I don't get it, but yeah, I think uh, there, there was some definite inequity in that piece of, of, things because um i think that that was sort of the fallacy of this whole texas class thing was that you know basically it's like not even you don't even need a crew to you can just send ships empty ships with right. replicators to to do this work and to yeah you know that sort of thing so and i guess that that's the nature of second contact then maybe that is more efficient in some ways like if you were to equip the cerritos with a industrial replicator you know what i mean then they will do their jobs much more efficiently but yeah, where's I mean, the human touch in second contact i guess that was right like, you know like there was that issue with the planet where they're like oh like there are microbes or whatever but where's like the diplomatic like human alien connection or what you want to say about second contact i feel that that was a point that was somewhat glazed over for me yeah i would agree i think that that's definitely a hole in this story a little bit but they, again it's like um it it's sort of like the penny pusher you know the, you know just the bean counters the like what's more efficient what's you know like and you know when you think about it there are thousands of planets to follow up with in the in the, mm -hmm. you know the history and they're all in various stages of development first contact assumes that they have interspace travel and they have warp yeah yeah so, so um, and apparently one united government but not all the time sure um so yeah so there you know there's um there's some, you know, and then what happens after that? You know, you introduce them to the Federation and then what? You know, like what happens? Right. You know, do they, do they send envoys to the Federation? Like, do they, you know, are mm -hmm. they like Bajor and do they need like an advocate to help them bring them into the Federation? You know, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, clearly this is more about like, um, I mean, you know, as all good Star Trek does, it brings to light a current issue that we're facing in a different way. So the whole idea of automation and AI running things is definitely very um, rampant, you know? So it's sort of the, that story basis is planted in 
are present in yeah. that way. Um, yeah. Wait, do you know that I have an AI, an AI client? Actually, oh, did you no, know that one of the is no. AI? Yeah. No. Well, my argument is that good AI is supposed to supplement, not replace humans and what humans do. So that's like a lot of the positioning around AI development nowadays. Um, that it's supposed to, um, like reinforce what we can do better. Um, versus, you know, the, I think the movie trope, the entertainment trope, which is like, it's going to replace all of us. Um, so, which is the yeah, trope I mean, that there, that, that happens in this story, you know? Sure. Yes. That's, yes. that's the, that's the whole idea is that the California, like basically Admiral Benamigo is advocating for the creation of the Texas class and the decommissioning of all of the California classes. Right. Which, right. Which as we learn at the end of the episode are like 50 odd ships. Yeah. Um, that, but that's kind of like, you know, I, 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 I uh, you know, it's not the Federation. It's not the, like, I don't know the star. I don't know what the council was, the, Board directors, I no idea. Starfleet Command, Starfleet Command. Star, is it, is it Starfleet Command? Command? Yeah. Okay. Is it Starfleet Command? I mean, like, yeah. I mean, like, it, it just seems like somewhat myopic for them to be like, oh yeah, let's go ahead and decommission this whole class and just replace it with robots. I mean, come on. Like, it just seems like a little ridiculous and far-fetched to me. That yeah, yeah. There's like, definitely some lower decksing of uh, yeah, it's like, of, this, of things, you know. But I think the 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 main push here is the d- whole debate around AI and replacing human jobs, and like how freaked out the crew was that they were going to lose their jobs and go to like some starbase and have to wear. You know, Brad's like, I don't want to wear an olive green jumpsuit mm-hmm. and things like that. You know, so. Mm-hmm. I think there was a, you know, the the overall storyline was that. I mean, we get a our first bad morale in um, lower decks, right? Um, we get a resolution to the story Rutherford storyline, which totally right. I didn't expect not, that to come back. Yeah, like this, not expecting that at all. I did, yeah. Um, did you know, there. you did pick up on Rutherford's interest in this. Alito class or sorry, the Texas class ship and, you know, his fascination with the code of it. Right. Um, right. which seemed, you know, right away, that's his focus and not, nothing else kind of, you know, he kind of, yeah, he was com- really fixated on he it. Was super yeah. fixated on that. So, um, you know, you could sort of see it, but I wasn't expecting like the resolution to be like the answer to who, you know, who is behind Rutherford's implant and all of of that. Um, Or the fact that he had been working on bad, a version of Badgie as far back as, you know, 10 years ago or whatever it was, whenever he was. Yeah. I forgot that. Yeah. I forgot about that, that, or I don't remember that being mentioned that Badgie was based on Rutherford's like code or something like, yeah, I don't. I'd have to go. We'd have to go back and rewatch uh, season one when we, you know, first met Badgie and um, rewatch that episode. But I don't recall yeah. that being something that he's been working on for years. And I don't remember. Um, it's been but, a while. You know, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. So, um, yeah. So 
And I ju- I just saw something on my screen because I have Paramount Plus up, and I was like, we never talked we never talked about Sulu being in Idaho. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, well, sorry, no, I mentioned I, I mentioned very briefly, briefly that yeah, Georgia yeah, K yeah. had a cameo. But anyway, but, sorry, yeah. um, sorry. I was like, there's a screenshot walking to Idaho, and there's Sulu and Boimler, and I'm like, oh, right. yeah, we didn't really talk really, about it as much as we should have. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a great little. Uh, call back and just yeah anyway again they fit so much into a uh, 24 minute episode that we can't even talk about everything in 10 to 15 minutes yeah i mean even it's even so brad you know one of the, the one thing that sticks out to me even on every rewatch of it has been brad saying something to the effect of oh good it's you not kirk you know essentially like you know like oh even better is better. what he says like, right, he says even better. Sulu is yeah. even I was better like, I don't remember Kirk. him saying, oh. It's- uh, yeah, no, even better is what Sulu he says Kirk, when yeah. he realizes no. that it's Sulu and not uh, right. Kirk. So right, anyway, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was mm-hmm. a great surprise cameo for sure. Um, yeah. That and that it was part of the this dream sequence that he had after he like basically passed out in the holodeck or whatever. Right, right. But anyway, um, jumping back to the finale, um, I have to say that one thing we touched upon before was the music in these episodes was just heavily contributed for me to the storyline and reminded me, one of the things I do really love about Lower Decks is the fact that the music plays such a big role, unlike kind of the live action shows that we have. Right. Uh, with the exception of Strange New Worlds, I think Strange New Worlds music is is slightly different than, um, and obviously it's done by a completely different composer. So I mean, Jeff Russo mm-hmm. did the theme, but other than that, um, is, is it Na- Nami? Nami may even oh yeah, I don't know, uh, I don't know. Um, from Prodigy, but um, but anyway. Um, the music plays such a great role and it just reminds me of Mm. 90s Trek and the music Mm -hmm. that underplayed all the episodes. And, you know, I try, you know, I go and try to listen to the soundtracks for the current series. And I just does not have, you know, you just don't have those like best of both worlds moments or, you know, like Mm -hmm. things like that. And, these episodes, all three of them, uh, all three of these last episodes, really like the music just is another character in in the episode and just makes it all that yeah. better. Um, mm-hmm. So um, that is um, for me. Oh, I know what happened. Um, is um. is such a great part of this episode uh specifically so you know the ending when um you know and honestly like the the cerritos when the california classes come the other class yeah 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 but also like one thing right before that though is that the cerritos gets its ass kicked like I know. Well, the Cerritos gets his ass kicked in these three episodes. All three episodes. Yes. They it like it, it, it. It's really that. Like, yeah, in Crisis Point, it's in the holodeck, but still, like you know, yeah. like it's uh, <laughs> you're not. It's not a very good like 
find it a tactical ship at all. Like it is you know, not a of, tactical ship at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. There's a fighting. I think this sort of ability. highlights it. Yeah, yeah this not this is definitely the limiting factor in uh, the California class. Yeah. Um, ships so it's funny they, i mean they have phasers they have photon torpedoes but they're just like i don't know they're just yeah. not as tactically efficient but what else well, also like their maximum sort of is warp eight and they're just cruising like that's their maximum and they really have to push it beyond right that and, they were like yeah the they were straining at like warp eight yeah or so yeah very straining on the the structural integrity of the ship um after right. that so oh um, yeah and the whole the whole thing with shacks attracting the warp core oh yeah and, and, and brad yeah. speaking up about that i think that you know that's great the ejection of the warp core is great but and the the crew cheering him on as he did it that was, just, um, that was a little ridiculous it was a little i was like uh is it like launching a nuclear missile like <laughs> that they need two keys it is yeah they I need two like, keys that was great that I thought it was awesome. the to check the warp core but sure like it was just yeah kind no of- it was great um so there's that piece of it there's uh you know brad speaking up which i thought was great like uh you know kudos to him oh, for, for that and i Bold Boimler comes to the rescue in the right time and place. And then, so then we have Mariner comes with uh, Ramsey's ship, which I thought was great. Uh, the Oakland, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, she's, you know, Freeman's like, no, it's not enough. And she's like, you know, Mariner's like, no, that's why I brought them all. And I, yeah. I, the music, I just, every time I watch that scene, like that, that whole, like, Everything from when the Wayfarer, I think it was, no, the Wayfarer is Brad Boimler's ship. Imagine yeah, the ship, right? the one holodeck. Yeah. Um, but I remember uh, the names of all the ships. I mean, they're all like, are, are, they're, all are cities in, the, they're all cities in California. They're all cities in California. Yeah. yeah I was, was like, great. oh my God. Uh, yeah. It was so great, um, but they all, you know, all these ships warp in, and so you see, so they yeah, focus like, on the San five Diego, the San Andreas. Like I, don't, I was like, I don't yeah, know all of know, them, all the, yeah, all the, yeah, all of them. But it, they focused on five of the crews. So they got Ramsey, they got Ven, uh, Vendome, which is all, uh, all of Ryan crew. Remember, remember earlier in the season, like as they're playing. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, the Klingon version or whatever. Uh-huh. They're like they uh Tendi and Rutherford tell Boimler about Vendome and how he's the captain now of a ship. And oh right. So he he comes in. Yeah, there are a lot of cameos. Alt- yeah, yeah. There was that the, that other crew that Dr. Tana actually he like walked onto yeah, the bridge of. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh there's yeah. that crew. There is uh, one of the crews with the Tellarite captain that they did a mission with. And then. Yeah, which was the, the one with the, all the Bolians? Like, what was that? That's Vendome's ship. Oh, Bolians. that's Vendome. Okay. That's okay. okay. Yeah, Vendome is Bolian. Yeah. Sorry, I could not think of what race he was. Um, thank you. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's the Bolian ship. There's the alternate universe, like Cerritos, basically. The alternate universe one. Yeah. Um, 
there's uh, the Tellarite captain's ship, and then there is the young upstart who fights with Carol over yeah. artifacts. So yeah. I, I just love that you got to see five five of the right. the crews and, uh, yeah. and then all the other A lot ships. of guest appearances. Yeah, a lot of guest appearances. Um, but just a great crescendo of music for that scene. I mean, it was like best of both worlds. Like so great. It was so, so great. I, I, that was my, one of my highlights. I like got super emotional. I thought it was great oh, to see all emotional. the California. Yes. I was, I, I had, you know, feelings about the, the, Oh, okay. Like I enjoyed it immensely. High emotions about this particular scene, but sure. Yes. Uh, peanut butter. <laughs> we, and we know that you do not have emotions. Um, <laughs> Where's my emotion chip got turned on? Um, so yeah, just a really cool ending to all of that. And, um, you know, Mariner coming back at the end and talking with her mom. And this is the point that I, you know, we don't learn until the very end when Mariner and her mom reunite that, you know, her mom admits that she overreacted and that she should have trusted Mariner. And then Mariner admits that she had spent so long trying to break that trust or show that she wasn't trustworthy. And that's the whole lesson that you don't get in episode nine, but you get the at the end of episode 10 that it kind of explains the whole situation that you had a challenge with in the previous episode about how this all kind of played out. And I think that it really shows that, you know, Mariner's whole stick has been, you know not to be trusted to speak her mind to go against regulations all those things and that was her doing and she really takes ownership for it and and that's what i'm talking about for this whole whole series of three episodes you see all the different growth in see the growth in mariner you see the growth in boimler speaking up on the bridge you see tendy speaking up as well you know uh-huh. And you see Rutherford going through this whole realization about his, you know, his past and it all coming together in his storyline. Uh-huh. So, you know, really just culminates in a really strong finish for the season. For me, sure. I, yeah. these are three of the best episodes of Lower Decks. I have really, I really have watched them back to back three times. Oh, my God. That's a lot. Um, <laughs> They are so enjoyable. Um, yeah, it's just, it's comfort food. It's brilliant. It's, you know, pinnacle lower decks stuff that we were raving about in season one. This is, this is what I would say it's back. Uh-huh. Um, for me anyway. Um, so yeah, really strong finish to season three. I am sad that we do not have more lower decks which is how I felt after season one. I probably did feel that a little bit about season two. Maybe not as much, but I am uh, definitely going to miss Lower Decks. Uh, as we move forward. Yeah. No, this was, it was a great finale. And I'm not sure I had the emotional response that you did, but um, I did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, yeah, it was like, I feel Lower Decks at its best. Um, and apparently there is also a post-credit scene, which I did not watch. Um, but you described it to me and it sounds like, there again, is. if you haven't, 
setting yeah, things up. Yeah, setting something up for the future. Um, if you haven't watched it, I, you know, I mean, go back and, and pa- pause the, this I, recording and then come back. <laughs> yeah. Yes, go um, watch the last uh, the credit after the credits of episode ten. You'll see a scene um, where there's a a ship and a debris field, and um, you see Badgie appear on this little vid screen. It almost looks like it's um, almost like it's uh, Rutherford's um, implant that they're tractoring up or, you know, they're oh, okay. up a bunch I didn't of, see it. I didn't. See yeah. It. Yeah. So, so yeah, have you, uh, you see a quick glimpse me? of Badgie being in that little mini screen. So uh, like uh, I referenced earlier, I'm hoping, you know, like you said, like we're not approaching a repeat of discoveries, control AI and all of that crap from right, right, uh, right, season right, right. two. So um right. especially since we now have two computers two really bad computers in daystrom and a copy of badgie on the loose so out in the right. wild but um so yeah so make sure you go yeah. and watch that yeah and, i have uh, to i have to go back and watch it but uh it's very quick it's you know it's yeah. barely you know barely noticeable you know it's there isn't a whole lot revealed other than exactly what I just shared. So, right. All right. Well, as we approach a really long episode for episode 100. Uh-huh. Well, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to go over. There is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of great stuff to talk about. And we'll be back in two weeks to talk about Prodigy. But this is, this is the end of our road with season three of Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. And uh, any pretty... uh, any big hopes for season four? I mean, my hope is that we don't have like the AI takeover of. Oh my uh, god! I was just about to say, Peanut yeah. Emperor coming back. No, gosh, no! Please, no more. Yes, no. I don't need we'll to see Agamus. I don't need to see Peanut Hamper. I don't need to see. Um, Gonna happen. Uh, badgie, I don't need to see these crazy AIs. No, let's let's try some original, but you know, stuff. Um, I mean, yeah. maybe they could do it in a more original way, so it's not like so tropey. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see. We will see. But uh, I'm gonna miss lower decks. But uh, at least I have some four of the last five episodes. The second half of the season has been really strong. We'll just mm-hmm. delete episode seven. That's fine. All right. All right. Um, uh, cool. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for our lower decks discussion. If there was nothing yeah. else. All right. Well, Mike, do you want yeah. to talk a little bit about our sponsor? Yeah. Fansets is our premier sponsor of Deep Space Pride and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. And if you give a listen to the latest episode of Trek Geeks, you are going to hear the team from France that's jump on the line with Bill and Dan and talk about all the exciting things that they have coming up, including and uh, the original Next Generation badge, which was delayed due to 
um, they got it and it wasn't right. And so they. Oh, yeah. No, it. I remember them talking about that's ridiculous. That's crazy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, in menu in mass yeah. manufacturing, those are sometimes the things that you run into. So uh, that is slated to come out in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that. They've got some new XL ship magnetic pins. They're not really pins. I guess they're pins, but they're called the Mastership Collection. They've got the Defiant and the... You have one, right? You have the the Enterprise A or something? Is that right? I have the Enterprise A, yes. So, Mm -hmm. um, But you can get the Voyager or Mm -hmm. the uh, Defiant. Uh, They are also Mm -hmm. working on the Titan, I believe, and the Enterprise D. Okay. So looking forward to that. Um, a lot of their pins are back mm. in stock as well. A lot of the magnet and uh, a lot of the deltas are back in stock, including the Section 31 pins, the um, Discovery pins, and also the, um, oh, what was the third one? Uh, Prodigy pin. There we go. Oh, okay. <laughs> so... I don't know. Yeah, and there's more to come. They have a lot of yeah. law pins, and then they're yeah. transitioning. Yeah, they have a lot of pins, and they uh, a lot of pins. Yeah, it's great. Um, and they take such like all of their art is original, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do have. Um, they are transitioning the women of Trek line into one kind of Star Trek universe line where they'll have a variety of different characters. And I think the next one coming out is Captain Kirk. Um, they're going to launch that. They are going to cut back um, on the micro coupons and there'll be more deltas for sure. So as well as uh, a Christmas Murph. Uh, no. Hopefully if it, if it, um, a festive Murph. Cool. Uh, pin for the holidays so cool. look Neat. out for that uh murph is a very popular fans don't and you're, go crazy and, you, and you're going to find out what murph is in the premiere episode of season 1b of prodigy prodigy i was yes Wait, what we're talking about yes they identify the species that Murph is in. No. Yes. In really? I watched 11. it. Yeah, you missed that? It. On the screen? Ah. No, he said it. They said it. Oh, he said Oh, yes. I don't remember that. So. Oh, yeah. we need to rewatch yeah. it. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, but okay. Murph is a huge hit with a lot of people, a lot of kids. All the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so anyway. So a lot anyway. of great stuff coming out f- for the rest of this year. And I'm sure well into 2023 from Fansets. Head on over to Fansets.com. Put a bunch of pins in your cart. If you use the code TrekGeeks, you're going to save 10% off your order. And if you also spend more than $30, which is pretty easy to do, you're going to get free shipping in the U.S., and we want to thank our friends at Fansets for being the premier sponsor of Deep Space Pride and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Thanks, Fansets. All right. Um, we would also love to hear from you all. 
If you want to drop us a note via email, you can email us at dspacepride at gmail.com. Or you can DM us on Twitter and Instagram at Deep Space Pride. And don't forget, we are apparently going to be giving away some DVDs. So be in the lookout on our socials for that. And let us know what you want us to cover, if there is anything specific, in the next 100 or 200 episodes of Deep Space Pride. And we'll do our best to do that within the next two to eight years. Yeah. <laughs> two to eight years yes. yeah <laughs> um yeah but i think that covers episode 100 mike yeah that's it 100 episodes down uh we start the next 100 in two weeks yeah. um so thanks for listening everybody we it's been a lot of fun to do this episode uh, to do this podcast for this many episodes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we want to keep doing it so reach out to us and let us know and also if you have any great um ideas for people we should have on the podcast let us know and let uh, us know we'll uh, acknowledge uh, let us know and also connect us if you have a connection you know that's the other thing you know introductions are always best so sure anyway Thanks, everyone, for listening to us. This has been episode 100 of Deep Space Pride, a gay Star Trek podcast. Yeah. I'm Mike. I am one of your hosts. And I'm Johnson, the other host. There we go. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks for episode 101. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Deep Space Pride is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you.